On this week's episode of Fit for Purpose, I'm talking with Mark Power, the Academic Registrar and Chief Operating Officer at Liverpool John Moores University. We talk about the work that Liverpool John Moores has done working across the Irish Sea to create what I call an opportunity bridge for young people in Northern Ireland. Not only giving them more choices in higher education through studying at the university, but also then creating an opportunity bridge that works in both directions. Providing young people who, after they graduate, can return home and provide key services and social infrastructure for Northern Ireland. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I guess for Liverpool John Moore University, it's been a challenging time over the last few months with lockdown. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about how you've had to cope with that and, and, if you like, what the autumn term looks like for you now. I think if we, if we go back to the sort of the March-April period, we, we spent a considerable amount of time, obviously, flipping delivery from... Uh, face-to-face to to as much online as as we possibly could. Uh, We we were sort of in in a very good position to do that because we had a very robust uh, digital infrastructure that supported our virtual learning environment. Mm -hmm. So we we, we had a very good sort of foundation to move forward with, with, with online delivery. And I have to say our academic colleagues were absolutely amazing in moving, uh, materials in, into that online space, delivering synchronous and asynchronous lectures very, very quickly and supporting students through the remainder of the, of the academic year. And, and alongside that, in parallel, we undertook a, a very clear exercise looking at all of our assessments, our assessment criteria, and we're very keen to ensure that we uh, talk to the student union students, other institutions, and we developed a, a no detriment policy to ensure that students, uh, the, the assessment process that, processes that we had in place would ensure that students did not suffer any detriment whatsoever as a result of this, this flip, this change in, in delivery pattern. Mm. And, and I think that was very successful. It was, it was welcomed uh, by, the, by the student body. Uh, many academic colleagues worked exceptionally hard to, to actually get us into that position. And I, th- I think the one thing that the, the crisis has shown is how, in the face of adversity, people become extremely innovative and creative in, in, in delivering solutions. So, so actually, the, the sort of the, the remainder of the previous academic year, I think we could say with some confidence, went as well as, as we'd have hoped given the, the circumstances. And then of course, as we move through the summer, we prepare for the, for the autumn term. Uh, we've undertaken a huge amount of work in, in preparation, knowing that the likelihood would be that we would perhaps have to flip between modes of delivery at certain times mm-hmm. during the year, depending on how the, the, the pandemic was, was, was planning out. Uh, and, and then clearly, obviously, just as we headed in towards moving in weekend, having recruited exceptionally well for this year, we, we got the announcement that Liverpool was heading into uh, special measures. Uh, but then again, we, we, we worked right across the city with all of the, the local universities, with the city council, with lo- local public health, uh, within an umbrella group called City Shield, which I, I think, again, has served both 
the university sector, but also the wider community very well in planning for and hopefully protecting the wider community as, as significant numbers of, of students migrate back into the city. And that means you've got a consistent approach that protects everyone, including the students coming back to Liverpool John Moores. I, I, absolutely. So ourselves, University of Liverpool, uh, Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, uh, Hope University, we, we've all come together with, with a, very much a sort of a shared approach. And, and, and last night I, I was on a call with 20 local councillors, again, outlining our, our strategy to, to deliver, you know, what would be 60,000 students back into the city uh, over, the, over the next week or so. And communications, everything, isn't it? As long as, you know, local authorities have a clear sense of how the universities are collectively approaching this challenge, then I think there's much more confidence of not only understanding how you're going to do it, but then having those communication lines open so that as things get underway, you can continue to talk about what is anyway a, a very moving feast of a situation, but also the, the new challenges that arrive. And that's absolutely true. I think Liverpool is is sort of blessed with having an excellent director of public health who's, who's engaged very well throughout this whole process with the university sector. Uh, and having that sort of sound advice, guidance, uh, looking at the data, our own sort of analysis of the data has allowed us as, as separate institutions to make decisions, but make it within the context of a shared understanding, a shared sense of our impact in, in the wider community. So I, I think we, we've ended up, I think, in a, a really, really good position uh, in welcoming, as I say, very large numbers of students back into the city at a time when the city is at a heightened state of alert. And I presume that some of those will be some of the students that you have at the university who are from Northern Ireland and the work that we've been doing with the Social Mobility Pledge and the Opportunity Action Plan with Liverpool John Moores has really focused on the university's link with Northern Ireland, which is a special one and I think pretty unique, frankly. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the work that you've been doing in Northern Ireland and in a sense, this bridge that you've been able to build, an opportunity bridge, as, as I've called it in my mind, between where they are and the chance to get to university at Liverpool John Moores? Our links with Northern Ireland go back many years and we've built, I think, a reputation based on actually having a presence there and going over, talking to schools, to colleges and actually our sort of, our great ambassadors for the university are those Northern Irish students who have travelled over to Liverpool, studied with us, in some cases not returned, but built careers elsewhere, but in a number of cases have returned to Northern Ireland and, and have mm -hmm. built some successful careers uh, back, back over there. And, and I think the, the, the work that we've done then, and it, it is a, a relatively small team of people, but absolutely dedicated to ensuring that we offer support, guidance, advice, but both to those uh, as teachers, that those college lecturers who are working on a day-to-day -day basis with the students, but also run events and invite parents, supporters uh, of potential applicants. So, so they get a sense and build a sense of confidence 
that the institution recognises that the Northern Irish population is particularly important to us. Uh, and we recognise the challenge that Northern Ireland has uh, as, as part of the UK. But also this plays very much into the university's ethos around widening participation and providing opportunities to, to students from socially disadvantaged backgrounds. How many Northern Ireland students typically would come to the university every year? What, what's the population you've got now? Our Northern Irish students represent just over 10% of our population. This year it's, it, it is literally 10.5%. So 10.5% of, of 20,000 undergraduates, it, it's a large number of students. So uh, we, we recognise that many of those students uh, are often severely disadvantaged backgrounds uh, and we do a, a considerable amount of work not just in supporting them to to raise their aspirations to, to actually succeed to come over to Liverpool but to actually ensure that whilst they're in Liverpool they get the best experience they probably they possibly can and that we support them to to achieve uh, their potential. And obviously it's, it's a distinct community within your student body. Um, tell us about some of the things you do to support them once they arrive at the university. Obviously, you know, they're some way from home. I know a little bit what that's like. You know, I went to a university in Southampton, came from Rotherham, and it wasn't easy just to, as it were, nip back um, overnight or anything like that. How do you make sure that they are able to make that transition and then really thrive on the courses that they've picked? Well, I, again, it's, it's, it's recognising that some of the best mentors for students are fellow students. Uh, and, and working with the, the, the Northern Irish community who are already students within the, the university, work with them to, to be able to provide almost a sort of a buddying infrastructure around the new students that arrive in the city. There are our outreach team who continue to work with, with Northern Irish students. Uh, we, we have a part of the organisation called Skills at LGMU, which again mm -hmm. provides additional support uh, to, to students in, in areas such as mathematics, academic writing or writing for academic purposes all of those sort of key skills that will enable those students to uh to develop as 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 students within the university alongside that we we've also now entered into a a, a sort of a, an organization called unitemps where mm -hmm. we're seeking to provide students with paid employment opportunities because recognizing that the funding situation in northern ireland isn't identical to, to that of England and, and the students are not quite uh, as well supported financially as, as they are in, in other parts of the UK. So again, providing an opportunity for students to, to gain some, some paid employment that will help support them through their studies. And of course, I suppose with COVID-19, one of the challenges has been you've had to take much of your lecturing and tutoring online how does that affect the work that you've been able to do in Northern Ireland normally you would have been over there on the ground talking to potential students about the opportunities at Liverpool John Moores how have you managed to do all of that work this year? 
Well, we've flipped all of that activity online. And actually, the, the indication is that we've had almost a greater engagement in the online activity that we've provided than perhaps would have been possible in face-to-face -face events. So we are, we are seeing a greater engagement both in terms of numbers and almost appetite from potential applicants who, who want guidance, support, etc. We also have a, a set of summer support sessions that, that we have run over a number of years and we've enhanced those this year, recognising that for many students they've not actually been in the school setting for some considerable mm -hmm. time and, and we ran those uh, online during July and August uh, I mean they replaced the summer schools the physical summer schools that we we had but actually running them online again gave an opportunity for, for for applicants who perhaps wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity to travel over to to England during July and August to engage within that summer school process. And, and actually that's something that on reflection that we will continue with uh, post-pandemic, uh, just providing that additional opportunity as well as that physical interaction. It's interesting how many universities have said similar things, Mark, that they had to go online in much of their student support or other areas of um, provision not just education and you know for some students it has made it easier and so you almost have this sense that as challenging as COVID has been for all of us including universities there's there is some sort of a legacy um, particularly around remote learning and outreach that will continue after this in a really positive way. I, I think it, it, it certainly will, and it has really far-reaching implications. It has far-reaching implications for how universities think about their estate in the future, mm -hmm. how they think about their investment in their digital infrastructure. And, and, and that's something that we, we, we've certainly been considering over the last six months. What, what will the university look like over the next five to ten years uh, and beyond? Uh, but I, I do think that I mean, the comments I made earlier about you know, these, these sort of times of crisis and adversity really do focus people's minds. And it's amazing how innovative and creative people can be in those circumstances. And, and, and for me, that's probably one of the most heartening uh, parts of, of, of the last six months, just being able to see how colleagues have come together in such, such a, a constructive way. Yeah, and, and it's incredible that when people really have a, a mission in the sense of things they need to get accomplished, then you can just move at double quick time to normal. And in a sense, I think it's partly just because everybody knows what the objective is that they're trying to get to. So people can take their own decisions, they, they sort of feel empowered to get on with things. And, you know, the numbers of organisations, not just universities, but businesses we've spoken to, that has said just that. And also, not only have they accomplished a huge amount, it's also brought people and those teams together because they've really seen what they can do once they are able to rise to a challenge like COVID-19. So in many respects, it's helped really build teams up and, and give them a real confidence about, you know, how they can perform going forward. I, I think un undoubtedly, the sort of the level of collaboration I've seen across 
uh, the service teams, the corporate services within the university and our academic colleagues has been absolutely uh, tremendous. I mean, it really has been such, such an effort. And, and as you say, having a, a clear objective and the objective has always been around supporting students and their learning. So we started starting off with that sort of core principle and ensuring that those students are in no way feeling abandoned by, by, by the university or the school that they were in previously and, and wrapping that support around them in the best way that we possibly can, uh, I, I think has been a really sort of positive dimension to this. That, that being said, though, the switch to online does bring with it other challenges, uh, and, and that's something that is particularly related to to Northern Irish students who typically do come from, from the sort of lower social economic backgrounds in that we cannot make assumptions that they either have the equipment or access to, to data. Uh, so what we have done again for this year for, for, for students from, from uh, those sort of widening participation groups is invest around a million pounds in providing uh, a laptop scheme uh, mm-hmm. and we'll provide students with, with their own laptop as well as buying them data bundles. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so it will allow students to access th- those online materials from wherever they're choosing to live in and around the city. And did a lot of the Northern I- Irish students, um, like many students, end up effectively going home and working remotely from there? So that's the sort of scheme that ends up becoming absolutely crucial to helping them do that? Uh, yes, they have. Uh, and, and a number of those students, certainly for the early part of, of this academic, this coming academic year, have chosen to stay in Northern Ireland temporarily mm-hmm. uh, because obviously the cost of, of, of moving over and living in Liverpool, if they're only going to be on the campus for three, four, five hours a week, may be such that you know the, the learning will be available, all of the materials available to them online. Uh, so for some students it becomes an economic choice but we will endeavour to provide them with all of the equipment and support uh, and then welcome them back into Liverpool uh, as circumstances change. So you said earlier on which I think is is interesting how actually you'd had a, a bumper year for student applications and I think many young people are obviously considering what their next step is and a lot of them will will think that continuing education, getting to university is a really sensible uh, step for them. What about the Northern Ireland students? I mean, it sounds to me like, you know, you may well have seen an uplift from that part of the UK for, for applications to Liverpool John Moores. Is that what's happened, Mark? Uh, it has. Uh, so, so we have seen uh, an increase in both applications and new entrants into the university from Northern Ireland. And, and again, that is a, an incredibly sort of pleasing part of, of the process. So all of the groundwork, all of that outreach activity that we've undertaken uh, has, has clearly, we, we, we've left that sort of mark within Northern Ireland that students think, okay, I'm going to go to university, Liverpool, John Moores University is my first choice. And, and, and actually, that's, that's obviously a very pleasing part of, of the process. And it's really fantastic. And as you say, although some of those Northern Irish students will go on to opportunities um, in, as it were, 
the wider UK, actually a large number of them are people who get better educated at Liverpool John Moores University and then go back to fulfil key roles in their, their own communities. Absolutely. So if we look this year, for example, at our teacher training numbers, we, we look at our nursing numbers, uh, you know, good proportions of, of those students from Northern Ireland will go back to, to Northern Ireland to provide those essential services back back in Northern Ireland. So again, pr providing that, that sort of key public service infrastructure, as well as some of the other areas of, of activity of, you know, pharmacy, uh, through to sports science, th th those sort of key areas of activity that will no doubt provide that developing social infrastructure in Northern Ireland that will be beneficial for the, for the whole whole of Northern Ireland as we move forward. And obviously COVID-19 has a really bad economic impact and Northern Ireland will be as affected by that probably as any part of the UK. So what the work that you're doing and this, this bridge of opportunity that you're building for people to be able to get to your own university, that, uh, that becomes ever more important over the coming months and years. Where do you see the, the work that you're doing in Northern Ireland going over the coming years? I mean, obviously, you've got this incredible footprint that's genuinely extended opportunity to, to young people and given them more choice about getting to university. Um, it's really focused on undergraduates. Do you think you'll end up moving into, uh, for example, more mature students or looking at postgraduates? Where, where do you see this um, extending next? We've been looking at our sort of our portfolio, our offer, uh, and, and how that could impact uh, in, in Northern Ireland. And, and, and actually, once again, you know, that switch to, to, to online delivery uh, is likely to provide significant additional opportunities for, 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 for the Northern Irish population to, to think about studying. It may be at master's level, it may be at sort of CPD type level. Uh, but again, being able to, to deliver that remotely may well help uh, enhance that, that particular market for us as, as a university, but recognise that we do have many undergraduates who've returned back to, to Northern Ireland who may wish to enhance their qualifications through to master's levels and without perhaps natural, having to return to the UK. And that's the natural step for them to be able to do with, with um, Liverpool John Moores if that's what they want. Absolutely, um, and we do offer significant fee discounts for for our alumni. Uh, so a, a, again, you know, we, we'd always want to work with and support those students who'd who'd made Liverpool John Moores University their first choice in the first instance. So, in in spite of everything, I mean, really exciting to see such a fantastic piece of work that you've accomplished over a number of years i think as you said mark it's taken a lot of hard work and over a long period of time sustained hard work to get that liverpool john moore's link with northern ireland but it's really paying dividends now for young people there and there is a real chance to do more isn't there at a time when actually opportunities for for people um perhaps will be fewer on the ground than they might have been used to and so they will absolutely want to look at continuing their education um, I think it's you know 
COVID has been a terrible, terrible thing for the whole world and including the UK, but I think there are clearly some positives in relation to the work that you're doing at Northern Ireland that can come out of this. It, I mean, it has been a, a, a dreadful time for, for lots of people and economically we all find ourselves in a very difficult time for, for a period to come. History has taught us that in, in periods of, of economic decline and, and, and the, the opportunity to take a step back perhaps and re-enter the education system for, for mature students or for students who perhaps ordinarily may have considered travelling or, or going straight into employment. The idea of actually enhancing their educational qualifications at, at a time of economic downturn it is is one that you know the evidence from the the mid nineteen eighties is such that we can expect an increase in demand, uh, and you know I I see the university as being in the very important position to to meet that demand to meet that aspiration, mm. to to ensure that we provide the the best educational opportunities that we can for the entire population of the UK. I think that's absolutely right. Now, Mark, I I wanted just to get your thoughts on your own role because often when we are doing podcasts with the universities we've been working with on the social mobility pledge we've often talked to vice chancellors and I think people have a clear sense of what their role is within the university yours is slightly different because you're a registrar and chief operating officer so tell us a little bit about what that role involves and how you work then with your vice chancellor uh it, it's, it's a very interesting and exciting role, uh, but a challenging role because part of my, my responsibility is to chair what we call the, the incident management team. So I, I've sort of led our entire response to COVID, uh, li lived and breathed it, I think, since a point in, in mid-January when we began to see some of the, the data coming out from, from, from China. But in broad terms, uh, I have responsibility for all of the sort of professional services within the university with the exception of HR and finance. So that includes everything from, from estates through to our academic registry, through to the library service, through to student advice and support, careers, student recruitment, marketing. So it, it, I mean, the whole uh, professional service infrastructure sits within within that portfolio. Uh, I think what that enables me to do in, in a way which I think has been particularly important over the last six months is actually take that helicopter view, an overview. Mm -hmm. uh, and we talked earlier about how teams have come together and collaborated in a way that perhaps ordinarily they may not have done. It, it's ensuring that we I've provided the environment and that opportunity for people to come together and face a whole range of challenges and as I say the, the outcomes and the creativity and innovation has been quite astounding so, so that, that, that's a key part of the role uh, the, the title registrar you know, in, in Latin sort of keeper of the records uh, a, a, again you know there is a sort of a formal role to, to being a registrar and ensuring that we are uh, recruiting and enrolling progressing and then graduating our students within the, uh, the sort of quality, quality and standards framework of, of the university. And 
for, for me, it, it, it's been a role that has been exceptionally uh, rewarding in, in so many ways, just being able to, to see students arrive at the university, uh, meeting many of those students and then just watching them progress, uh, graduate and, and you know, go into some hugely successful careers. And I think your, your role is a good example of how often people might look at a, an organisation and think it's just, as it were, frontline. So they might look at a supermarket and think it's entirely retail. Um, they might look at energy and think it's all about, I don't know, being on the front line of whether it's at the moment an oil rig or future gas, et cetera, or renewables. But actually there are tons of other roles in all of those sectors um, and yours is a good example of one that is in the education sector, but actually you're not per se, as it were, an academic. Um, how do you end up moving into the education sector? Was that something that you, you've been in for some time, Mark, or, or you know, has it been a different path for you to, to end up working within the university sector? I, I can't say as a teenager, it, it was part of my career plan. Uh, but I, I, my, my first degree is actually in fine art. So I, I graduated in the early 80s uh, in, in fine art and then came back to Liverpool. That was in Lancaster, came back to Liverpool. Uh, and over the course of just over a week, I, I was offered two posts that I'd applied for, one in a, an advertising company uh, and one at what was then Liverpool Polytechnic uh, as a technician within the art department. And I decided the technician in the art department was the, the, the role for me at that time. Uh, I was still a practicing artist and exhibiting uh, nationally. And that for me was all, almost a way of just providing me with the wherewithal to continue my, my, my artistic career. Uh, and then having been in that role for, for a couple of years, I was considering probably time to, to go and focus perhaps on my, uh, on my developing art career. And then I think I, I just, I, I took a view that actually I really was enjoying working with the people uh, that I was engaging with on a daily basis in work. And perhaps the the role of a an artist, if, if you like, historically, you know, tortured in the garret, was 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 perhaps <laughs> not not something that suited my my, my personality. So I, I continued in in that role, and and then worked through became uh, a technical services manager. Uh, I then undertook an MBA. Uh, I, I then sort of moved more into the sort of administrative side of the university. And, and I can't say it became, you know, a sort of focused career path to see how far I could actually get uh, within the university. But I think what was important for me was that when opportunities arose, that if I felt confident that I, I could perhaps be successful in a particular role, I would take an opportunity to apply. And, and I, I think being within a university setting was always important because you're in that sort of constant learning environment and, mm -hmm. and, and being able to, 
to engage in training and development and learning new skills. And, and, and that for me was, was such a, I, I think a wonderful opportunity. Uh, I, I ended up over the years becoming a, a director of academic planning and, and then uh, becoming a, a registrar uh, and then actually stepped into the role on a, an interim basis for 13 months as vice chancellor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'd started at really at one end of the university and ended up right at the top of the organisation. Amazing. Uh, w- which for me was just an incredible journey uh, o- o- over a number of decades to actually achieve something for me that really wasn't a career aspiration, uh, mm-hmm. but actually something that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, and, and the role of registrar. So I think what helps in working with the new vice chancellor is that I, I understand the role because I, I sat in that position for 13 months. Yes. Uh, so, so, so that gave me, I, I think, an incredible insight into the challenges of, of leading a large, complex organisation. We're probably the third largest employer in Merseyside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, 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 and the impact that we have locally in terms of the economy as well as the impact that we have on people's lives is such that I, I couldn't have wished for a better career. I just think it's a fantastic journey. And what it shows, I think, for a lot of young people is, you know, when you're picking your degree or you're thinking of your A-levels, it feels like you're making these ginormous life decisions and that if you get them wrong, you'll never be able to do anything else and you're really constrained. Actually, the reality is, as your journey shows, it is a lot about skills and strengths. And, you know, you can do a fine art degree and have skills and strengths to do a really, really practical role and career as you've ended up having and that they were completely transferable. They weren't exclusive at all. Do you still do art, Mark? Is that something for you that's still... outside of work and interest I I do Uh, and and rather than being a career I would say it's more therapy Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, so so it's a space I can go into to 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 unwind and relax Mm -hmm. but yes yeah I have a studio at home still continue to paint and what Uh, sorts of um, painting do you do is it portraits landscapes it it is it is mainly landscape uh, quite abstract but mainly landscape and I have a sort of a painting retreat every year. I go down to St. Ives and sit on the beach for a week, uh, painting, drawing, just gathering inspiration. And that is probably sufficient to keep me going for, for the next 12 months. But as I say, it, 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 it is more therapy now. Uh, who knows when I choose to hang up my, uh, my gown, I, I might go in a different direction again and uh but no having a fine art degree i think has really served me well i mean i know that sounds very odd but actually you know the point that you made there are sets of skills there that range from hands-on practical to to theoretical to you know art history research there's a whole set of skills there that have been particularly important and I think have served served me well. And I remember a previous vice chancellor once once saying to me, once I'd completed my MVA, and uh, we were talking about this sort of two aspects of, of a very sort of business focus as, as well as the fine art. 
And he, he just turned to me and said, oh, does that make you a sensitive bastard, then? <laughs> Which is something that's, that's always stuck in my mind. Brilliant. And if you were giving advice to much younger Mark now, um, maybe still at school or, or kind of just thinking about what to do next, whether to go to university, what sort of advice would you give yourself, do you think? I, I, I think it, it's always recognising that you will get out, that there will be opportunities. And, and it's within those opportunities, it, it's how you choose to, to, to either take them or, or perhaps take, take, take a different path. But, but it's always recognising, I think, that you don't achieve anything alone. Uh, and, and that's one thing I, I've absolutely recognised. And it, you know, it goes back to my early ambitions of, of, of being a painter and you know, as, uh, having a successful career there. Actually working within an organisation and, and working with some fabulous colleagues, it, it's recognising that you, you achieve things uh, collectively and, and collaboratively. Mm. Uh, yes, you can have personal success, of course you can but actually it, it's the people around you that will continue that journey with you. Uh, I think the, you know, the, the, the saying of, if you want to walk fast, walk alone. If you want to walk far, walk together. Mm. I think is, is very true. Brilliant. And I totally agree. And I, th I think also that your point earlier around the fact that opportunities will come your way and that the key is just to make the most of them mm. and give them chance to really these strong opportunities for you is, is incredibly powerful. Mark, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on the podcast. Good luck as Thank the you. autumn term gets underway. We're absolutely delighted to be doing the work through the Social Mobility Pledge with you on this Northern Ireland Opportunity Bridge that you give students over there. It's brilliant, brilliant work. And I'm delighted that it's proving so, so valuable for young people in Northern Ireland at a time when they really need to be able to make those next steps in a, a very difficult UK that we find ourselves in now. So thank you very, very much. Thank you, Justine. Thank you. It was so interesting to hear about Mark's journey from doing a fine art degree to a very successful career in higher education. It underlines how degrees develop students' strengths and skill sets in a variety of ways, well beyond the pure subject of the course. But what really stood out for me in our conversation was how hard Liverpool John Moores has worked to put in place those long-term relationships in Northern Ireland, but also how successful it's been. It really shows how far a university's outreach can stretch when it puts its mind to it, and it holds out the possibility of much longer distance relationships being possible between universities and communities. And in adding to the higher education choices for young people in Northern Ireland, with so many graduates returning home to continue their careers, Liverpool John Moores University can really play a role in Northern Ireland's part of the high-skill, high-salary, high-productivity UK economy that we all want to see. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit for Purpose. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating and share with your friends, family and colleagues. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.